Hello and welcome to Sir Thriver Unleashed. I'm Reno Romano, your host and a Sir Thriver and advocate for survivors of child sexual abuse and sexual assault. This show is all about the endless positive possibilities of Sir Thriving after sexual abuse. So let's get started with today's program. Hi, welcome to today's show, Sir Thriver. I'm so happy to have you here. My guest today is Rachel Thompson. She is the author of six books, child sex abuse survivor and advocate. She's the founder of Sex Abuse Chat, Monday Blogs, and Book Marketing Chat on Twitter. Rachel Thompson is a Sir Thriver, childhood sexual abuse, attempted rape in college, and rape in her 40s. My goodness, I'm so glad to have you here. But she also has her own company at Bad Redhead Media. She believes survivors. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you for having me, Rena. Happy to be here. (laughs) Yeah, I am so excited to have you here. Um, I want to tell my listeners, I was getting a little tongue-tied, and we had to do the the intro take a couple of times. (laughs) But I met Rachel on Twitter. Yeah. And I was following her through and seeing some of her posts. I'm like, wow, she looks like a surf driver. And I've got to have her on the podcast. So thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you so much. It's been great to meet you and interact with you. And I'm super happy to be here. Wonderful. Glad to have you here. Thanks for agreeing. And because sometimes I'm stalking people on Twitter and they're like, is this lady nuts or what? <laughs> I can we're here to have from you. Oh, okay. <laughs> good. Yeah, we're good. We're good. She, well, I know you checked me out because I checked you out too. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Because I want to make sure this, this program is for survivors to help them see the endless positive possibilities of life after trauma. And you are a wonderful example of that. Tell me a little bit about what happened to you and when you decided to get healing for your abuse. Well, um, it's the abuse started when I was 11. And it wasn't, I mean, obviously, that was difficult. Um, but it was not until I had my own daughter when I was 35, that um, I realized I it was coming out and I needed to get help because I went into a full on depression, panic, anxiety. Uh, at the time, I was still working in big pharma. I always joke and say I'm recovered now. Thank you. Um, but at the time, <laughs> I still had to go back. And the thought of leaving her with at the time, my husband were divorced now. Um, and, and a nanny was just too much for me to handle. Like, how would I keep her safe? And even though she was in a safe environment, the thought of me not being there keeping her safe was just like my brain just couldn't handle it. And so at that point, I went to see my OB for a checkup and she, she said, Oh my God, you are literally like gray. What is happening with you? And she identified it right away got me in touch with a shrink. And within a day or two, I was in front of, um, I shouldn't say shrink, a psychiatrist. (laughs) And (laughs) that's okay. I use the word shrink. I know. I don't mean to belittle their profession. He was amazing. And that, that started my journey of understanding the impact, not only on our brains, but our bodies and how there's a famous book called The Body Keeps the Score. Yes. And um, 
it it really does. And so that was that started my journey to healing. And that was literally what 20, 25 years after it had happened. I just shoved everything down and said, oh, I'm fine. Don't need to talk about it. It's fine. But it isn't. I did the same thing. Yeah, I'm fine. But it's not okay. It's not fine. We need to talk about it. And and to let you know, um, I didn't start really talking about it until I saw Oprah on her show talking okay. about her abuse. And that's what helped me. I'm like, wow, maybe this is affecting my life more than I think. I mean, because I, I shoved it. And that's what we do as survivors. We're survivors. We're trying to survive this trauma exactly. yeah. and we shove it. Yeah. So thank you for bringing that up. And you said, um, I, I went to a shrink. I, I see my shrink once in a while. I said, I, this is a guy that I went to go see and I got shrunk. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and I'm not making light of it either, Rachel. No, I just want no. survivors to know that I want them to see what life is like after trauma, that we can laugh. Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. That we can. But I'm so glad you started the healing. And a lot of people have said that I've had on the show before, once they had children, that they realize I need to get help for this. Yeah. 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 Good for you. And how old is, how old is your child now? She's 21. Oh, so I'm sure you've had some conversations with her about all this. Yeah, I have two kids. Um, my daughter, Anya, is 21. And my son, Lucas, is 15. And, you know, I started writing books about it. So, you know, I, I've told them, you're more than welcome to read the books when you're 18 or older. My right. daughter has chosen not to. And I don't go into, like your show, I don't go into explicit descriptions of the abuse because I think there's no reason for that. And mm-hmm. the basis of my books, Broken Pieces and Broken Places are the titles, is more about the aftermath not understanding because I was so young when it happened and my parents didn't put me in therapy. It was in the seventies and only crazy people went to therapy and no offense to crazy people. Um, I had an aunt who basically was just uh, shot up with Thorazine to keep her, you know, mm. mellow. That's what they did back then. Right. It was really just going through my childhood and college and early twenties. And even into my thirties, when I had my daughter, not understanding what, I, why I was having panic attacks, why I was having migraines, you know, nobody attached migraines to PTSD, which is one of the number one side effects, if you will, of PTSD, because our whole entire psychological, physiological brain, and even our brains are completely affected by this. I had to learn how to deal with it, but I didn't know. So that's really what my books are about. And so st- starting to share that information is something that um, my kids are now more cognizant of right. because I, I studied a lot and learned a lot and, and about myself. So there's things they understand about my hypervigilance, for example, yeah. don't slam doors, don't come up and startle mom. Like those are things that are very helpful to them now. Great. That's, that's good to know. And tell me the name of your book again. Uh, you have two several. Out. Yeah, two broken pieces is the first one and broken places is the second. And I'm just finishing final edits on broken people. So it's kind of like a trilogy of memoir, essay and poetry. Good for you. Good for you. you. I never kept a journal. And because I, I, to me, if I wrote it, it made it real. Mm-hmm. And and it wasn't until I was ready to make it real. Did I start writing my memoir, his puppet no more. 
Uh, how is writing, so you blog and you write articles and you write books, has that helped you through the healing process? Definitely. I definitely encourage anyone who, ha- even if you don't think of yourself as a writer, writing itself can be extremely therapeutic. It doesn't change what happened. However, it helps you understand a lot of those feelings that you had as a child or if you didn't experience childhood sexual abuse, any kind of trauma that you may have been going through or in, or even just relationship issues or frustrations, just write it down. My advice to writers uh, or to survivors of anything really is to just let it flow. Don't self-edit. Just get it all out there. A lot of people are, are very interested in where to start. And what I always suggest is to purchase uh, Julia Cameron's uh, book. can't think of the name of it right now, but she suggests if you just look up morning pages on Google, okay, um, she suggests just get up and write what's in your, in your brain for just, you know, 15 minutes. And that's really the best way to get started on that. And I think that can be helpful. I think that the mistake a lot of people make though, in asking survivors is, was this cathartic for you to write your book? And I always say, I don't know that it's cathartic because it doesn't change what happened. But I think for me, it's very helpful to share my story to remove the stigma mm. of being a survivor because I did nothing wrong. I did not abuse myself. I am not a criminal. You and didn't so commit I, the crime. I did not commit the crime. And so whenever we, whenever I see victim blaming happen, for example, on Twitter, I, a lot of times, probably to my own detriment, will jump into that fray because a lot of survivors are blamed for their own abuse. And that makes absolutely no sense to me. And I get very upset about that. So that's yeah. why I became such a vocal advocate to help, help lift these people up. That's why I do what I do. That's Good my motivation. And we need more voices. And the more voices that are out there, being a supporter, being a cheerleader for these people, being a lifeguard in, in a sense, you know, uh, a protector, say, no, 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 you can't do this. It's going to encourage other victims and survivors to get help, get healed and get happy. Yes. And then because when our time is up, Rachel, those people will have gone through the healing process and they will be a voice for those coming up behind them. So yes. we need to encourage the, the women and men, share your story how you're comfortable sharing. Now, I went on Oprah. You don't have to go on Oprah unless you want to. Sure, sure. <laughs> and that's amazing. Yeah, and you don't have to write a book yeah. and publish it unless you want to. Yes. But do whatever it takes to heal. So um what would you like people to know more about sexual abuse and the victim blaming? And I think that's great that you stand up for those victims and survivors. Tell us more about that and, and why that motivates you. Um, I think I, I didn't start out to become this huge advocate and defender. I, I published my books and I thought, well, you know, I hope somebody reads them and, and feels less alone. That really was my motivation. And then after I published the first book, um, so many people would, um, I've, I've always been very active on Twitter, um, since 2011, 2009, that's when I started. And now I have 
several hundred thousand people who follow me. I, uh, Twitter verified my account, which is great. Back That's when they fantastic. Did that. <laughs> I don't think they do it anymore unless you're a celebrity or a sports figure, but whatever. Um, I think people felt comfortable sharing with me, men, women, uh, various other genders. Um, it's sad how many people in the LGBTQ community are also abused for simply being different. Yep. And so I thought, you know, I need to do something with this. What can I do? And so chats were just starting to become very popular. So in 2013, I started sex abuse chat because I decided we did nothing wrong. There is no shame in talking about it publicly for me, because at this point I was already writing my second book. Right. And so in 2013, I started sex abuse chat. And it's kind of mind boggling to me that like I'm what, eight, nine years into this now. It's still going every single week. And so that's probably every single week we have one specific topic that survivors deal with. And then the first half hour is here's the topic and here's how to deal with it. You know, victim blaming is a huge deal. Mm. Um, I mean, just yesterday with the whole Pierce Morgan and blaming Meghan Markle for, yes. you know, that she's lying about being suicidal. I was like, dude, are you kidding me? He actually that was blocked so me. sad. He blocked me because I spoke out not only about the racism and misogyny. I, I I'm definitely a vocal advocate for women's issues, but especially children. Um, obviously, Meghan Markle is not a child, and we don't have to get into all that. But the fact that you know a lot of men blame women for being abused or for coming out with it really irritates me. Or lying about it to get attention. I think that was his big deal. You yeah, know. and it's like, dude, are you serious? Come it's on. It's not exactly a resume builder now, is it? No, it isn't. To say I'm suicidal or I didn't want to live anymore. That's yeah. That took a very brave person to say that and do it. And we should never belittle or diminish anyone who is having suicidal thoughts. Ever. It's- very serious, very serious. And the fact that she did that was like your Oprah moment, not when you were on the show, but when you said, if she's talking about it, maybe I need to deal with that in my life. And that's why it was so huge for her to be able to come out and say that. Absolutely. And and so that really is, is a motivator for me that we can never talk about mental health issues enough. And that's really what survivors have to deal with. And we don't, so many people in the sex abuse chat, they don't know why they're feeling these things. They have no understanding of how our, our physiology changes. Now, the brain is very uh, plastic, right? It can constantly be growing and changing. So we're not stuck if a lot of people are still in victim mode. And I don't mean victim mode in a negative way. Right. We are victims of crime. Yes. And we deserve to get support and help, but we can also grow. And so that's really the other part of what I'm very motivated to do is to talk about post-traumatic growth, not only, not necessarily negative. I mean, we're having normal reactions to having been victims of crime. There's nothing wrong with us. There's nothing wrong. Yeah. Everything that we're feeling is normal. It's just, let's talk about ways we can find support and grow because we deserve that support. 
And that's a great point, Rachel. We need to talk about what it's okay to feel what you're feeling. And a lot of people are feeling the same way. And this is important, too, that I want people to know that healing is different for everybody. Yes. There's no time limit. You take as much time as you need to heal. And I started healing. I called out for help 30 years ago, but I still go through well-being courses. I'm, I'm a well-being coach. I still go through and work with positive. I have a positive prime uh, app and a coach. And so I have friends and I mention this every time on my podcast. I have friends that have never had trauma like you and I yeah, or our listeners, but they still suffer with self-worth, you know, imposter syndrome, confidence issues. Mm -hmm. We are more normal than we think. It's just maybe a little more exasperated, you know, because of the trauma. But so I, I applaud you, Rachel, for what you're doing. And you have thousands and thousands and thousands of followers. And I've really just started getting active on Twitter, not as much as, um, as you've been. I've just kind of post a few things my TEDx talk is helping me get followers. And a lot of what I've said in the TEDx talk, you talk about too. What I really would like for you to share is, um, you know, so you're motivated to share your story. Are people, people reach out to me and say, thank you for your TEDx talk. Uh, I started counseling because of it. Wow. That's so great. Yeah. So are they doing that with you? Are you seeing that because Seeing more of us come out and have the courage to speak, are you getting that reaction as well? Yeah, I think that started after I published my first broken book back in like 2012. Um, And people started sharing their stories with me. And I get a lot of survivors of all genders um, sending me DMs or comments on my blog or, you know, contacting me in a more private way. Um, asking about how to go about sharing their story. Um, and even some people saying, you know, kind of like, does it count if I don't share my story? Will I still be able to heal? Because some people aren't ready to share publicly and they feel some shame around that. And I tell them, you know, it, it all counts. For example, you can mm-hmm. still heal with keeping it private. You know, there's just a lot of questions because some people are worried about what's so-called trauma porn, where if you put that out there, it's going to be super sensationalistic. And I think with regard to the way I write my books, it's not super explicit. I'm not there to give that kind of detail because to me, it's not necessary. And we're not here to inflict uh, additional trauma I don't want, I don't want to trigger anyone. We know what our abuse is like. We know the details. We don't need to hear somebody else's details Mm -hmm. um, because that can trigger and, and just add on additional trauma that we don't need. So I applaud you for that too, because I've, I have seen other survivors and speakers that have gone ahead of me that give explicit details of their rape or child abuse in front of me. And I've had panic attacks and people think that I've got it so together, but I was triggered by another survivor. And it turned out she was a, a, a trauma therapist. Yeah. That's so crazy. To she me. knew what she was doing. Yeah. And I don't understand, you know, there's two modes of thinking there. 
One is some survivors don't have the self-awareness that they may be triggering others because they're so they're trying so hard to prove that they were abused because their concern is people won't believe them Correct. unless they give all that explicit detail. And so I think there's that part of it. Um, and I think the other part of it is there's just, they're just sort of unaware because they're living it in their head so much with flashbacks and nightmares and all that kind of stuff, which I mean, I get that too. I've just learned to redirect my brain to go somewhere else, yep. to find, find another way as a storyteller. And I, this is something I do with my workshop participants when I was, was, I was teaching uh, creative nonfiction and memoir. Last year, if you find a flashback coming into your head, start telling yourself a story and you it's, it's a way of grounding and you automatically will go off in a different direction from that flashback. But I think to go back to the original point, I think a lot of survivors don't have that skill, haven't learned to do that. And so they just immediately latch on to the explicit nature of that. And I understand that. Because that happened to me too, because in the beginning of my healing, and I understand that, and we need to help survivors share their story, but in a way we need to let them know, um, you know, how we can be mindful of that. But this individual knew what she was doing. Yeah, it's too She was trying to drum up business. Oh, that's terrible. See, I would steer clear of someone like that for sure. And a trauma trained therapist, absolutely. I hate to say should, that's one of my least favorite words, but she should have known better. She should have known better. And she did know better because there was, I could get into a whole bunch of stuff, but it was a sad situation. And um, now I know better Yeah, because um, even I was triggered, even after years of healing, I was triggered. And so I try to be mindful not to trigger. So if you're listening in and you want to share your story, just listen in to us and, if you have questions, let us know. Yeah. Tell, I'm so glad to have you here. And you, you've made some really, really good points. Tell me more about uh, you. You have a company that is Bad Redhead Media, right? Yeah. How did that come about? Well, about 10 years ago, um, I, well, let's go back a little bit even further. I quit Big Pharma and then I had my second child, my boy. And then I kind of started losing my mind and decided (laughs) (laughs) I needed to do something. So I started blogging and getting into social media and just kind of helping people here and there who are having a hard time. And of course, I learned how to market my own books just because I already knew how to market. Um, So I kind of put out a shingle and barely charged anything because I was mostly just helping friends kind of do this thing. Well, we need to talk. (laughs) Well, this was way back, right? 2009, 2010. So 2011, I incorporated and became Bad Redhead Media. And 10 years later, here I am. And I do uh, consulting with regard to book promotion, social media for authors, how to create your author branding, how not to be spamming people constantly with buy my book, buy my book, buy my book. Um, and so it's really about creating um, a user experience or, you know, a reader experience in this case, that's enjoyable for both the author and the reader. And so that's, that's really what I focus on. That's wonderful. Thank and you. part of that, but 
So your bad redhead media focuses on, on authors mm-hmm. and helping them get their books out. And yes. then so with your books, do you do any coaching for survivors or tell me about that? Yeah, um, I offer consulting services to survivors um, at a slightly discounted rate, mostly because it's my way. I do a lot of giving back to, to both communities. So um, I do sex abuse chat every week on Twitter. And then if somebody wants to work with me one on one, then um, they can, you know, talk to me about rates and what they're willing to or able to pay. Right now, I'm working with a guy who's got, you know, four huge journals worth of his writings that he wants to create a blog and eventually a book out of. So for example, I'm meeting with him on a weekly basis, kind of talk through his author branding and how he can kind of divide everything up into those particular keywords and key phrases. And we can make that into a blog. So that's what I'm doing for someone right now, because he just thought I have so much information. What do I do with this? And how do I create blog posts out of it? So that's, for example, one thing I'm doing with him. And then with regard to book marketing chat, that's the weekly chat that I do um, on Wednesdays. Anyone can attend, just put in that hashtag. And I give back to, you know, an hour every week, I bring experts on so that they can, um, you know, authors can learn. It's all about writing, blogging, promotion, social media. Is this Wednesday? Yeah. Tonight I'm talking about um, how to grow your following effectively in ways that actually work. And so those are the types of things that I do. So I've been doing that. Attend that one. (laughs) Pardon? That I need to attend that one. Yeah, definitely. It's six o'clock every week Pacific time or nine if you're Eastern. And you just type in the hashtag and follow along. Wonderful. Yeah, it's so great. And then I, I have books out as well on Bad Redhead Media Books. So one's the 30 day book marketing challenge. And it, you know, if somebody can't afford me, then I have books out for $5.99. That's going to help them go through the process of creating an author platform. That's so, wonderful. Yeah, lots of different ways that, you know, tons of articles on my blog and on Medium. So there's lots of different ways people can. That's you know, wonderful. Learn. Tell me, tell me more about the sex abuse chat. When is that on Twitter? And how, how does that work? Okay, it's um, every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Pacific and 9 o'clock Eastern. I have um, rotating guest hosts because it was just too much. I was working with a psychologist and then she just got like slammed with COVID. So she's she couldn't do it any longer. No hard feelings. So I have um, two gals with one with a PhD and two with master's degrees because I don't have those degrees and we're not trying to be therapists. So anyway, so every week we pick a specific topic. Like last night, our topic was managing triggers. At the beginning, we put, you know, trigger warnings. This could be something that may trigger you. And we ask everybody, please do not share specific, explicit details. detail. Um, and then we just basically go into here's, here's the issue we're talking about tonight. And we give information and we list all our sources. And then we, you know, uh, solicit information from our guests as well. And then we go into, and here's how you can manage it. Here are some tips. We identify the issue because a lot of times people don't even know um, if you're not in the community, you may 
think that, you know, or are you triggered? That's why a lot of, you know, gamers use that term. And that's right. really incorrect and disrespectful, but that's their, their terminology. So we have to kind of identify what is being triggered really mean versus the way popular culture uses it. And I got so, for you. example, that's how, you know, we identify it. And then the week before we were talking about now that the pandemic is kind of, we're not on stay at home orders. So how do we now physically greet people? And that can be very difficult for survivors who don't want any kind of physical touch, or maybe some are okay with it and some aren't. And what are some options to, you know, initiating ourselves back into that? That, that sounds wonderful, Rachel. I'd like to, I'd like to join you sometime and just chat in and see how it's going. So would you send me a reminder? I would love it. You know, I, I wish we could do that. I post reminders the day right? before, the morning of, the hour before. Right. But I don't do like a mailing list because I oh, never I know who's going to attend. That's true. Yeah, so, that's true. That's true. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Good for you. And I'm so glad that you're mindful about the triggers. And I want to back up on the triggers. Sure. For those victims, survivors that are listening in, don't be afraid to share your explicit details with your therapist. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, That's an appropriate place to do it. Yes. There are appropriate places to share all of that because... And you share what you, you're comfortable sharing. You don't have to share explicit details for people to see the picture. And also, if I could add, yeah. when you're writing about it, write out anything and everything you want as explicit. Like I call it word vomit, vomit on the page, get it all out there. Nobody's watching you. And if you need to like password lock it on your computer or whatever you need to do, do it because you need to process that in some yeah. way. I'm not, I'm saying you, the people that are listening. Right. No, That's I get it. Okay. Like give yourself that permission to do that. And you'll thank yourself later because it's, it's out there. It's out of your body. It's, it's literally like vomiting it out. That's why I call it word vomit. Just Absolutely. Get it out there. And then at some point you don't have to do anything with it, but maybe that is what you take to your therapist. Take that through your therapist or, or, or use it later. You can also have a burning ceremony. Get it out of your system. Yes. Write it. Take that paper that you've handwritten or typed, print it out and have a burning release ceremony and say, I release this. I mean, it doesn't mean it's gone forever. You can write about it again and, and, and we're going to have those memories and we're going to have those triggers. But just know that you're in a good place and you, you, if you're not in an abusive situation anymore, that's not going to happen to you. Yeah. And, and there are places to call. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And we always post this during chat. If you need help right away, contact Rain. Uh, one in six is for men. Um, and child help is great. They're, they're very responsive. I've, I've raised money for Joyful Heart Foundation. They're all such great organizations. I yeah. really um, can't say enough about them. And they're all 24-7 hotlines. They are. I'm on the Speakers Bureau for RAIN. So, oh, good. Good. yeah. So good. I really like working with them. And I've done a lot of um, legislative testimonies here in the state of Florida. Oh, good for you. Yeah, with RAIN's initiative. 
Well, I am just, I, I found you on Twitter and I started stalking you <laughs> in a good way. I'm like, I need to find out more about Rachel Thompson because you are a true Sir Thriver. I'm so glad that you agreed to come on. What helps you stay focused, Rachel? I know, you know, I have moments when it's like a wave. We have low times. We have high times. We're riding a high. And then we have days we're not doing so well. And that's normal. People who have not experienced trauma go through the same thing. Sure. What do you do when you're in a down mode and you know that tomorrow is going to be better? But what do you do to stay focused? And and maybe what can you share that you do for self-care? Um, I, I My family's really good about making sure that I'm not at the computer 24-7 because I honestly, I love what I do. Um, if I'm not working, um, then I'm writing. If I'm not writing, then I'm reading. I mean, I could literally just spend 24 seven on, um, and I'm sitting here talking to you. I have my Mac, I have my iPhone, I have my iPad, and I have two books sitting over here. Plus I have client stuff to read. So my guy is great. I got to, I, I divorced my husband about six years ago. Part, part of lots of reasons, but one of the many reasons was that he wasn't supportive in my journey. Mm. And um, he didn't want me to talk about it. He didn't want the kids to know anything about it. And I thought, you know, this just, I was married for over 20 years. This just can't be the person I'm destined to be with. So the guy I'm with now is so understanding about everything. And he'll, he'll just, um, come in and put the computer down and say, I've run you a bath. I've made you dinner. Aww. He's just so, he's so sweet and wonderful. Um, and my kids are great. You know, they're, my daughter deals and she's very open about this with anxiety and OCD. So she goes to her, to her shrink weekly. She's, she's on her meds. We're both, we're, we're so in tune, my daughter and I. It's amazing. Like if she has a nightmare, I have a nightmare. It's been that way since she was like a little girl. So she'll come in and say, I'm having a weird feeling. Are you okay? And I'm like, you know, I'm feeling a little down. And she'll say, okay, let's go for a walk. So to have that kind of intuition about each other is pretty amazing. And That's wonderful. it is. And my son's really good about getting me out of the office. Like, let's go walk, mom. Like, you're looking like a bat. Let's go. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I have two cats and they're just so healing and wonderful. So I think it's a matter of just me getting out of the analysis paralysis that I get to in my head uh-huh. and, and just saying, okay, I need, I need to just go pet the cat. Yeah. And, it, <laughs> like, and that's okay. Minutes. And yeah. sometimes I just need to go take a nap. And, and oh, I love naps. I love naps. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> love them. I, that's my escape. I do have chronic migraine and I get Botox every three months. And, you know, I, it's hard for me to believe that I was in pharma for 17 years. I called on neurologists. I even sold a migraine drug and not one doctor asked me if I had abuse in my past. If this was related to PTSD, not one. I think that I think that's changing, but I understand what you're saying because I went to a chiropractor not long ago, and it that one of the questions was something I don't remember the exact question, 
was have has there been any past abuse or, or in your life? They're starting to see the correlation with the abuse and migraines. I, I'm so glad. I talk about that in my TEDx talk, healing from sexual abuse can start with one word from the, the fellow that who designed my cover on my book, his mother he had no idea she had migraines for years. And when she started, when she started talking about her abuse in her seventies, they started going away. Wow. So there is a huge correlation. Yeah. So I encourage anyone to go watch the TEDx talk. Um, there are a lot of people that that's helped family members and um, spouses of survivors. That's amazing. I am so glad to have you on here. I could talk with you all day long. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Before we wrap up, I'm going to ask you a few more questions. But one thing I really want to ask you, it's a good thing that you've, you set the boundaries with your ex-spouse and yeah. now you have a good partner and that we have to set those boundaries and not be afraid to set those boundaries. So bravo to you. Thank you. But are you happy now in your life, Rachel? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Has life been good after trauma for Rachel? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. There is a, a, a positive happenings for people. There is life after trauma. Is that, would you agree? Absolutely. And it doesn't define me. I mean, if somebody said to me, what is your identifier? Who are you? The first thing that comes up isn't childhood sexual abuse survivor. It's one of many things of, you know, one of many states of who I am. But it's not the only thing. It's not the only thing. And that's, I, I am, when people say, don't let your past define you, I like to say, oh, yes, it does. Because I focus on the courage, strength, and tenacity it took to, prefer, to persevere. Yes. That's what we need to focus on is the positive attributes of our survival traits. And okay. survivor, if you're listening in right now, you are a true survivor. You are persevering. So bravo to you. Rachel, it was so much fun having you on here. I, like I said, I could talk all day. Thank you. <laughs> but we're going to have to wrap up okay. here a little bit. And I'm so glad to hear that you're happy and you set those boundaries. I want to hear more about the sex abuse chat. And um, I will put that in the show notes. I will put... Um, you know, the genius broken places. Uh, is that your oh, that's website? The link. That's the link. Yeah. That's the link. I'll put that on there too. So where else is there someplace else that they can find you? Do you want them to go to Twitter? Let the, let us know where can people go find out more about Rachel? Oh, sure. Um, if you want to learn more about my, um, my broken pieces or broken places, then you can go to Rachel in the OC.com. Or Twitter is Rachel in the OC. Um, if you want to learn more about my book marketing or social media services or consulting, I'm at badredheadmedia.com or badredheadmedia, pretty much anywhere. You'll find me there. And um, I'm most active on Twitter. I'm obviously also on Facebook, Instagram. I miss what I do for a living. Like wherever you go, you'll find me. And I did just want to say one more thing. The, if, if, if there's any positive aspect of being a survivor, besides what you mentioned, it's that I get to meet amazing people like you mm. and other survivors. Like we are now in a tribe. We are kindred. And that 
gives me chills. I mean, I literally have chills because I meet so many beautiful, amazing people that I never probably would have met. And I love that aspect of it. I like that. I like that. I wrote that in my book too. I I now belong to a club I never wanted to join, but I'm here and I'm not ashamed of it. Mm -hmm. And it's our purpose and your purpose, Rachel, to help others get help, get healed, get happy. So thanks for being here today. I'm so glad you agreed and said yes. Thank you. Thanks for asking. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. So, all right. So I will post all the links for Rachel Thompson on the audio podcast. And there will be a YouTube for this that you can find at Rena Romano TV. So please check her out. Check out um, my website, renaromano.com. I have a new masterclass coming out. It's called Sir Thriving After Sexual Abuse. And Rachel and I may be talking about doing some collaborating too. And I'm definitely, definitely going to look into your um, sex abuse chat on Tuesday nights mm-hmm. on Twitter. Chat. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Booking chat is tonight. Okay. Awesome. Thank you again, Rachel. And then listeners, thank you. Uh, I encourage you to look at the endless positive possibilities of what your life can look like after trauma. Just be determined and persevere. You've got this. You've got friends in high places. You've got Rachel. You've got me. So check us out and we're here for you. So Sir Thriver, until next time, I wish you peace, love, and ciao for now.